Well, two weeks ago, we talked about uh, the foundation of a family as we were talking about home improvement. And we talked about that uh, story of Paul as he shared the gospel with the Philippian jailer. And the Philippian jailer's family was transformed by a relationship with Jesus. Then last week, we looked at the church at Ephesus where Paul wrote to them uh, a place that was not very dissimilar to our own, a really messed up culture, a very pagan culture. And, and, and part of the path of moving forward for them was to build their families in a complementary method, knowing that, that, that the husband has a place and that the wife has a place and they have particular roles that they need to fill within those homes of honoring and supporting each other and loving each other and making transformation possible. This morning I want to talk about legacy. Legacy. You're probably thinking, I don't have a legacy. I've got to tell you, if you're alive, you have a legacy. And you're making a legacy as well. Uh, we want to talk about the legacy of a Jewish grandmother named Lois in, in particular, in families in general. You're going, Lois, who is that? I can't believe you don't know who Lois is. One of the most important, important women in the New Testament. Lois was a grandmother. She was a mother. She was a grandmother. She was the grandmother of a guy named Timothy. You're going, Timothy, I've heard of. But Paul, as he was on his second missionary journey, he went back to a community that he had had a pretty tough time in, a place called Lystra. It's southern central Turkey today. And he goes back to this place, which had run him out the first time by stoning him, by the way. It was not a real pleasant experience for Paul. But he went back there to check on the gospel, the work of the gospel there, on the, how the people had come to know Christ, how they were doing. And as he comes back to this place, he, he meets a young man who is the son of an anonymous Roman dad. We don't know his dad's name, but we know his mother's name was Eunice, and she was Jewish. And his mother, along with the influence of Lois, the grandmother we mentioned earlier, had impacted Timothy's life in amazing ways. He had been taught the Old Testament. He had been taught the truth of God's word. And then when Paul brought and shared the gospel that the Messiah had come, he made a faith commitment to Jesus. Timothy was part of a legacy of two amazing women. And it rained, changed his life in radical ways. And the outcome of this is he became part of a ministry team that went about sharing the gospel and leaving a positive legacy. I want to talk to you about four things this morning real quickly. I know it's Mother's Day and we all got all kinds of things we want to do. I get it. But I need you to hear this because I think it's important that we catch the idea of a legacy uh, as God's people. The first thing I want you to notice is this. I think it's important that we decide that we're going to gratefully embrace your legacy. You're going, what do you mean? What, you, you have a legacy. I have a Look at verse 3 and uh, 4 and 5 as we get into this. He says, Paul writes to Timothy, his young mentor in the faith. He says this, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. I want you to grasp this big idea that we all have legacy. We have a myriad of people who populate our past with various thoughts, various actions, various beliefs, various influences, various ideas. And you may think to yourself, but if you knew who my grandfather was, he wasn't the best guy in the world. If you knew who my great-grandfather was, you might go, can he even be a pastor? Come on. 
But the reality is, my friends, regardless of how they lived, how they did their lives, what they did, they are part of who you are. Sometimes in ways we don't even grasp, don't even realize. Paul opens this passage with a reminder of his own heritage. Why? Because he writes to his son in the faith. You're going, son in the faith. That's not a phrase we use very often. But the idea is this, is that Paul had been the one who shared the gospel with Timothy. And Timothy came to know Jesus because of the work of Paul. Therefore, he was his father in the faith. Not in the sense of a priest or something, but a guy who impacted his life in a positive way. And while Paul had come to faith... Uh, Jesus, uh, to have faith in Jesus as the promised Messiah, he still treasured his upbringing. See, Paul and Timothy had something in common. Both of them had Jewish mamas, and both of them had Roman daddies. They had this connection in life together, and he says, we need to understand that we value the heritage we have. They have a, a, a heritage. See, Timothy was born and raised in Lystra, Jewish grandmother, Jewish mother. And his daddy, though, was a Roman. You're going, how do we know that? Church history tells us that. But Roman men in that day loved to bury Jewish women. You're going, why? Because they had a high value on spirituality, and they were very faithful to their families and wanted to build their families. And so out of that union comes this guy, Timothy, the one we're talking about, this heritage of faith. But understand, because he was of a Jewish mama meant he was Jewish. You're going, well, I thought it, the line came through the father. Well, in the Roman world, it did. In the Jewish world, it came through the mother. And that's the heritage. And so he was Jewish fully. And so the result is this. He had an emphasis on the faith of the mother in his life. The mother brought this to his life and cared for his life and brought a heritage to his life and built a legacy in his life. And it's obvious that Paul cares for Timothy because they've developed this relationship. And like, I want to see you. I, I miss you. I want to be around you. But I've got to write a letter because that's the best I can do today. Legacy is not only important to Timothy, my friends, but to us. Over in Psalm 78, we, we, we had included early in, the, early in the service, Jacob talked about testimony, about the witness that we have to our life. And the reason Jacob tried to establish his testimony in a godly way was this, that the next generation might know them, that the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children. See, Jacob, way back in the Old Testament, David in the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament, Paul in the New Testament, they grasped this concept that we have to make a difference by the way we live our lives, that we will make a difference the way we live our lives and impact them. I, I may have shared this story once before, but I want to share it briefly because I think it makes a difference and helps me grasp this idea of legacy. Uh, my uh, great-grandfather... Uh, was a guy named Dillard. We don't know much about Dillard. Uh, we know enough to know that he was a um, um, less than upstanding citizen of our country. Uh, he made some poor choices in life. Dillard served uh, and lived mostly around the Fort Smith, Arkansas area during the era of the Oklahoma Territory. So it was before Oklahoma became a state. So we're talking late 1800s. And Dillard was an interesting cat from what the stories in the family recount. He was, a, he was a preacher, which that would make him weird, <clears throat> but he was a preacher and did itinerant preaching in the territory, but, but he also had a drinking problem, uh, and he also had a gambling problem, uh, and you're thinking, well, this guy was something else. Why would you even talk about that in your heritage? Because he's part of my legacy. You're going, so you're hoping to be like him someday? No. Uh, maybe the preacher part, but the rest, no. 
But he had several kids. He had uh, uh, Floyd and Lloyd and Clyde and Gladys. He had four, four kids. And he tried to do the best he could, but he just didn't have it in him. And so he left, disappeared, died young, and left it to his oldest son to take care of the family. His name was Floyd. And you're going, why is he telling all this? Legacy. Floyd looked at his daddy's life and said, I don't want to be like that. I want to do better. So Floyd made a decision. He would be a godly man. He would do the things that God called him to. And I'm a direct result of Floyd's choice. He was my grandfather. Floyd became a church starter. He helped start a church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. He helped uh, write gospel songs for Stamps Baxter Music way back in the day. Uh, And he was an influence on our family that was a positive thing. You go, legacy. Legacy is important, my friends, because they impact us. You say, well, my past was bad. I mean, you know what? If I went back to my great-grandfather and said, well, I'm trapped in that role, guess where I'd be today? I might still be preaching, but I'd probably be drunk and, and broke. We have choices we make. Be aware of those sins in our lives. So embrace your legacy. It's who you are. It's who you are because of the people before you. But now, where are we going to go from there? Look at the second point I want you to grasp. We have to then consciously encourage your gift. Paul turns to an interesting point here, but he's still dealing with this idea of legacy. Look at verses 6 and 7. For this reason, I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So the next step in leaving a great legacy is this. You've got to consciously encourage the gift that God gives you. You know, one of the amazing things that happens, my friends, when you come to know Jesus, is he's going to place within you at least one spiritual gift. He may give you two or three. But I'll tell you what, he won't give you all of them because then you wouldn't need anybody else. But he will give you one for sure and a couple uh, possibly. But you're going to receive these things. And these things are discovered, these gifts are discovered through grace and knowledge of Christ. You develop them as you begin to serve and live and go the places you go and do the things that God opens for you to do. And as you walk step by step with Jesus, he will begin to transform your life and show you that area of giftedness that you're supposed to flourish in. But you're going to have to work at it. See, for some people, it's things like teaching. Some are just gifted at teaching. Some are gifted at organization. Some are gifted in music. Some are gifted in other areas. But God gives everyone who is a child of God a gift. And he grasped, Paul did, this concept because he talked about it all the time. If you read the, the epistles, if you read Paul's writings, he talks about gifts again and again and again because he understood that's how God works through the world. And as a result of Timothy's spiritual legacy handed down from mom and grandma, He came to faith in Christ, but he also received what? Some spiritual gifts. You're going, really? Yeah. Why? How do I know that? Because he was a child of God. If you're a child of God, you have a spiritual gift. You're probably sitting there this morning going, I don't know what that is. Or maybe you're sitting there this morning going, I know exactly what his gift is in my life. But you've got it. But you've got to then take it and encourage it and develop it and, and grow it because it won't just continue to happen automatically. You've got to spend some time in it to become better at it. Why do people try to study to become better teachers? 
Well, they want to get the paycheck, one, but they really want to get better at the job. Why do some people learn and go to music classes and voice lessons and piano lessons? Because they want to get what? Better at the gift they have. We have to encourage those gifts. Now, Paul had spiritual gifts as well. And if he had neglected them, he would have what? He would have found his life to be fruitful, fruitful, less, fruit, fruitless, fruitless. That's the word I want. Later, Peter would write to a group of people in Western Turkey about this idea of gifts. Look at this passage. He says this, as each has received a gift, use it to what? Serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now grasp the thought in the word steward. A steward is one who has been given something that they're going to what? Take care of. They're going to nurture. They're going to develop. They're going to work at it. So he agrees with Paul's thought. We've got to be involved in this. So when we choose to hide our gift, we miss the point. We miss the blessing. We don't have the legacy being developed the way it should be. And we tarnish what could happen. Our gifts will guide us in the right directions. So gratefully embrace your legacy. Consciously encourage your gift. Third, wholeheartedly engage your calling. You're going, oh, I'm not a pastor, so I'm not called. Dear friend, if you are a child of God this morning, if you are a, listen, if you are a child of God, you are called in the kingdom of God. Your calling is as valuable and as important as anybody who's called to ministry. You're just called in a different way. Treasure that. Engage in that. Participate in that. Look at this passage, verse 8. Therefore, Timothy, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to, or with, there's no way you could translate that, a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now he has manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Now, Paul sometimes gets a little wordy. Okay, there's a lot there. But the call is this. He says, I want you, Timothy, to embrace your legacy. Embrace what God's doing in your life. Embrace the gift that God has placed in your life and engage in your calling. You're going, what was Paul, what was Timothy's calling? Well, we're going to find that here in a minute. But I want you to understand, it doesn't matter what it is. The point is, we got to do what God's created us to do, what he's gifted us to do, what he's called us to do. And so we need to work at being the people he wants us to be. He does a couple of things here, three things. Actually, first, he calls him not to be ashamed of the truth. He says, Timothy, don't ever shy away from the truth of Jesus. And you're going, why would they do that? Nothing wrong with being a follower of Jesus. Well, in our culture, it's not so bad. But in that day, that made you kind of weird. Timothy had a solid foundation spiritually from his mother, from his grandmother. But there came a moment when he said he heard the truth of Jesus as Messiah. And he had to make a decision at that moment to what? To either trust Christ or not. He did. Because a mere inherited faith without becoming an owned faith results in a weak spirituality. You're going, well, his legacy was, was pretty good. Absolutely. Mom was a follower of God. Grandmother was a follower of God. Timothy says, well, it's a family business. Let's just keep on following God. The problem with that is it's inherited faith, not personal faith. Timothy got to the point where he trusted Christ. In their culture, the testimony of Jesus would have seemed like foolishness. The whole world, 
Think about it. To actually believe that a backwater Jewish carpenter who was crucified by the Roman government in response to the request from the Jewish religious leaders was pretty nuts. You, you follow who? Well, his name's Jesus. Where's he from? Well, he was born in Bethlehem, and then he ended up growing up in Nazareth, and he was a carpenter. Well, what happened to him? Well, uh, he taught a lot of good stuff, and he did some pretty amazing miracles. Well, then what happened? Well, then he was crucified on a cross. He was crucified on a cross? You've got to be kidding. You follow a guy like that? Yeah, but he rose from the dead. He did what? Have you lost your mind? He says, don't shy away from the truth of Jesus. The reality is the work of Jesus is what makes forgiveness possible. It's what makes salvation possible, what makes eternal life possible. And Timothy needed to never shy away from that life-changing truth, just like we must never shy away from it. So he was called not to be ashamed of the truth of Jesus, but he was also challenged to remain connected to his mentor. Now, we live in a culture of radical individualism and freedom. And so we struggle with this idea of mentorship. We struggle with being mentors, and we struggle with being mentored. We may think, why do we need somebody to help us out? Paul reminded Timothy that he needed to remain connected to him. You're going, why? You think, well, how could they even do that? Travel was arduous. They couldn't send a text. They couldn't send an email. They couldn't even hardly send mail much less any other faster way, but it was necessary to remain connected to those who have impacted their lives. Why? Being connected to Paul meant being connected to a guy who gets put in prison a lot, gets arrested a lot, gets treated poorly a lot, gets attacked a lot, abused a lot, Uh, but remaining connected to him also meant this, catch this, he could benefit from his experience and from his wisdom. To remain connected, acknowledge the truth that he needed somebody else to speak into his life. That's the, the part of this that we don't deal with anymore. We, we don't think we need anybody else. Can I tell you something? I need people to speak into my life. And so do you. We need that in our lives. But that's part of engaging in your call. And then Timothy was challenged to remain, remain faithful in his witness. He said, keep on keeping. Now, at times it seems that that Paul gave Timothy kind of the short end of the stick as far as ministry tasks were concerned. At times, he would be sent to do things like, well, I want you to go down to that church on uh, the end of uh, the next town over, and I want you to work with them. Timothy would go, okay, great. What's the problem over there? Well, they got a unity issue. Well, that's a piece of cake. Paul, I'll just go right on and do that. I, I can't imagine he said that, okay? But he would get sent to tasks like that. He would be told to go into communities that had never heard of Jesus or God's truth from the Old Testament and say, I want you to share with them Jesus so you can share and let them kind of know Christ. And then you can plant a church there. And you're going, you want me to do what? That's the kind of things he got challenged to do. And what Paul was telling Timothy was this. Even after you do this stuff again and again and again, I want you to remain faithful. Don't give up. Don't give up. What Timothy wanted, Paul wanted Timothy to do was to finish well. Paul summed it up when he told the Ephesian church leaders at Port one day this, Acts 20, 24. He says, but I do not account my life as any value, of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Of God. I want you to catch this, folks, because you think, oh, well, I'm not called. I've already told you. The Word of God tells us you are called. 
The question isn't, are you called? It is. You are. The question is, is how are you going to live your life? How are you going to finish the course? How are you going to run the race? Are you going to finish it well? That's what Paul is telling him to do here. He says, wholeheartedly engage in your calling. He grasped the big picture that in the end, what really matters in life is not how much money you had, how much land you owned, how many kids you had, but how faithful you were to God's call. That's part of legacy, folks. It means you'll be involved in mundane things, of course, but in the end, the things to last are the things we do for the Lord. And when faithfulness becomes a heavy burden, Paul reminded Timothy, Jesus is always right there in front of you. Just keep on following him. Don't give up. Never surrender. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. So, gratefully embrace your legacy. Consciously encourage your gift. Wholeheartedly engage your calling. And then finally, he reminds him to do this, to faithfully entrust your life. Look at the middle of verse 12 to 14. Paul tells him this, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound or healthy words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. But the Holy Spirit who dwells within us guard the good deposit entrusted in you. Paul speaks into Timothy's life about who he really trusts. Who do you really trust? He does, he, he does two things here. He testifies and then he instructs. Let me show you, about, show you the testimony first. His testimony is of a life lived from the amazing moment. Y'all know Paul's story, don't you? That amazing moment when he was on a road to Damascus one day when he was going to arrest these followers of Jesus and carry them back to be persecuted. Back in, you know, Remember his story, how it started? And on that road, he was almost to the town he was headed to. And do you remember what happened? He came, what, face-to-face with Jesus, showed up on the road and blinds him. And his life was changed forever, transformed forever. And he became convinced that God was the one who had called him. He says, I am convinced that he's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. What had been entrusted to him? One was salvation, but the other was a calling from God, just the same as you have, this calling from God. And he would hold him until the day he went home. Now remember, Paul faced some pretty terrifying things in his life as he served the Lord. You know, he didn't go to the country club and camp out for the rest of his life. Y'all realize that, right? He, he began to travel around. Here's some of the things he faced. He was shipwrecked multiple times. He was left for dead on occasion. He was stoned more than once. He was whipped, seemed like, from day to day. He was beaten. He was abused. He was maligned more than he could count. He was bad-mouthed. He was talked about by people in towns. He was abused. You're going, I don't want that calling. I don't either. But if that's the calling God has for you, is the outcome of being faithful to his calling, then you don't want to be anywhere else. But through it all, he entrusted his life to who? To the one he could trust. And he speaks into the life of his mentee, Timothy, a bold confidence that they could both trust Jesus. Basically what Paul's telling Timothy is this. Hey, man, God's called you. God has a plan for your life. He's got gifts he's placed in your life. He's entrusted you with certain things. 
and you've been serving a while now, but you need to keep on keeping on. You need to keep going, keep going, keep going. Think back to the moment you're going, you're thinking, but, 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 but Patrick, I, I don't have a Damascus Road experience. I didn't see Jesus on the road to Damascus one day. My life wasn't radically changed in a moment. Oh, wait a second. Hang on, friend. It better have been. Why? Think back to the moment you met Jesus. Can you remember that moment? I can remember it like it was yesterday, and I got to tell you, it was coming up on 50 years ago for me. And in that moment, what happens? What happened to me? What happened to you? That moment was no less miraculous than what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus. Why? Because the holy God of heaven reached down and says, I want you. And you answered how? Yes, Lord. I don't understand it all, but I trust you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go with you. And your life should have been inexplicably changed from that point forward. Why? Because his Holy Spirit came to dwell within you. He gifted you in certain ways, and he gives you a calling to serve him. We're talking about legacy this morning, folks. I think back to a great-grandfather who was a sorry old sod. But his son said, no, no, my family's going to serve the Lord. And the heritage that he started, the legacy he instilled. When Jesus is allowed to come into our lives, he'll take our heritage, whatever it is, our legacy, whatever it is, our good, whatever it is, our bad, whatever it is, the things we've been through, whatever they are, and he'll blend them into a new purpose with new life. And we can trust Jesus. So he testified of what God had done in his life, and then he turns and instructs Timothy. And I think you and me, by extension, to do what? Stay faithful. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now, you go, well, Paul seems kind of full of himself. No, Paul wasn't saying he was infallible. He, he, far from it. He, he understood who he was. But what he was doing was calling Timothy to receive the good that had been spoken into his life over the years and release it to empower further development. You know, I think back to to my, my, my own dad, he grew up in the house of Floyd who said, we're going to be in the Lord's house on a regular basis. We're going to study God's word. We're going to sing gospel songs. We're going to praise Jesus. And it impacted my dad's life. And then when his kids came along, guess what he did? What, guess what kind of torture he did for us? Yeah. He got us to church on a regular basis. Why? Because he thought it'd be mean. No, because he knew it was an investment in his kid's life, and it was a good legacy to leave for them. And then we came along and did that to our kids. And you're going, but you're a pastor. You've got to show up. No, we don't care. bring our kids because we're a pastor. I'm a pastor and a pastor's wife. We bring them because this is the right place to be. It's part of legacy and building that life in them. And then, and then through that process, I've been was able to hear different men speak into my life and women speak into my life for that matter. I think of I think of Jim Moore, pastor of the church I grew up in. The words he would speak, he would stand up and go, "It's a plumb line like that." I can remember that to this day. You know, it's where the rubber beats the road. If you ever hear those in my preaching, that's where it came from. Okay, it's because those men spoke in my Rick Ferguson was my youth pastor when I accepted a call to ministry. God spoke into my life through him. His wife, Kathy, spoke into my life. Tom Satterwhite in, in, in Temple, Texas, as the first pastor I served with, spoke into my life. He says, Patrick, just remember. Hmm, I can't say that one in church. All right, so the list goes on, guys, of the legacy of people who've spoken into our lives. And then we get to speak into their lives. This last week, 
I'll tell you one more story. I'm kind of full of stories today. I don't know why, but anyway, it's all right. One more story. Our secretaries have seen the picture, so I mean, they can verify this one. When I was a youth pastor in Arkansas at First Baptist Jacksonville, we had a boy in the youth group, and we were getting ready to go to Mississauga, Ontario, which is a suburb of Toronto, on a mission trip. Now, let me tell you, taking 35 Arkansans to Canada, you know, I must have lost my mind. Okay, but anyway, we were going to go. And a boy in the youth group who was a junior comes up to me and says, Patrick, I, I think I need to go on this mission trip. I said, great, come on. He goes, well, and I, I knew the problem. Jim was a baseball player. Let me tell you, he was a good baseball player. He was a pitcher. He could throw the ball fast and accurate. You know, fast is not any good unless it's accurate, right? He says, but Daddy, oh, and his dad was the baseball coach. <laughs> and a deacon at the church. He says, I don't know if dad will let me go or not. I said, well, you got to work that out with mom and daddy. I said, I'm not getting in the middle of that one, you know. That's the parents take priority over youth minister. He said, I'm going to talk to him. I said, okay. And I had heard bits and pieces, stories of what was going on. Jim Sr. came by and told me, he says, I can't believe you would let him go on that mission trip and not go play baseball this summer. Baseball is way more important than going on a mission trip. I'm going, yes, sir. Okay. I'm not going to argue. Well, finally, one youth group meeting, Jim comes up to me, Junior, and says, Patrick, I'm going to Canada. I go, "Uh, who are you going with? (laughs) He said, I'm going on a mission trip. I said, "Uh, has mom and dad said okay? Well, mom said, mom's great with it. Dad, he's, he's okay. It's okay. Jim went, served, did a great job, got back. He went through his senior year. He graduated. Next weekend, we're going to have our seniors graduate, come up here and do all the stuff. I got to do that for him. Jim went off the University of Arkansas played baseball. Pitcher. Got hurt. Happens, right? I lost track of Jim. And, but I kept up with his mom through social media, and I'd heard that he was going to school in Louisville, at Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville. I'm thinking, what in the world was that boy at the seminary for? He lost, you know. He got his Ph.D. in theology. He's now teaching at the seminary, writing books. If you ever look him up, Jim Hamilton, there's theology books he's written. You can order his books off of Amazon or Christian book distributors or wherever. And he, last two weeks ago now, a magazine showed up in our office from one of the publishing houses, and on the cover was Jim Hamilton. My legacy. Just a little bit. The impact that we make as we choose to be faithful to God's call in our lives is simply amazing. I'm reminded of the words of Daniel. He says this, To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws when he set before us his servants, by his ser- us by his servants and prophets. Friends, home improvement happens when we take the legacy, good, bad, somewhere in between, and build what God gives us and go forward from there. The question I got for you this morning is this What's your legacy? You're going, oh, it's a mess. So, 
God can take your mess and make something amazing out of it. You say, well, my legacy is wonderful. Good. Build on it. Make it better. The place to start, my friends, is a relationship with Jesus. We got that in place, then we go forward and build it together. Father God, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for the blessings of those who have spoken into our lives in the past, those who speak into our lives today, for those who we've had the opportunity to impact, and Lord, those who have gone before us uh, because they've gone on to be with you, but the legacy they leave. Father, I pray for those in this room who have never made that commitment to you, that beginning point, to build a great life. I pray they'd trust you. Father, for some in this room, they're struggling with their their situation right now. They're saying, I don't know what I can do. My my life's a mess. God, you, you tell us if we'll take our mess and give it to you, you'll fix it. You'll take care of it in time, and you'll develop it. You know, we still got to work at it, God, but we pray that you'd let us do that. Father, we pray for those who have other decisions they need to make. We pray your blessing on them as they step forward and do it. In Jesus' name.